0: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.
1: Keysman, man, oh! can't believe it. Jordan, Seat!
0: Yeah! <laughs> no. He's going to give him out, and then he's rubbed his nose.
2: <laughs> <He's> <laughs> his nose.
0: Yeah. What about to McCullum, Shane? might be trying to shake the sweep one after that first one. I'm going to try and slide one in there. Fast. Well, you well, called it. That's out. That's right out. Let's come off Sam's so head on no, this no, guy. You'll never see that again. Yeah, you think you've seen it all, don't you? Sir?
2: Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Tim Williams. We're just a couple of days out from the first game of the Big Bash season, just two days away. Uh, so exciting times. Big podcast tonight as we talk about um, our final teams, the decisions we're struggling with. Uh, we're going to finish up on our, our last two final teams to recap in the Renegades and the Strikers. Um, so plenty, plenty to ha- to talk about tonight. Joining me is last year's champion, Tomo Aitken. Tomo, how are
1: you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, fellas. It's getting very close now. It's good to uh, have a chat and finalise a few things before it all kicks off on Thursday.
2: Mate, uh, you've been around the traps in the Supercoach community the last few weeks, which is good to see. Are you uh, mate, feeling a bit of pressure to defend that crown, or is it a bit of a, you know what, I've done it, I've won it, doesn't matter what I finish?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I hope lightning can strike twice, but I've had my time in the sun. Um, I'd love to win it, but if someone else does a good job, you know, I'll be one of the first to pat them on the back.
2: Very good, mate. Also joining us tonight off a, a
0: one-week spell is the Supercoach Spy. Spy, how are you?
1: Hey, fellas. Yeah, fired up.
0: Uh, Tomo, quickly, mate, no need to be so nice. We like competitors in this community, so getting into it. Get, chase that double, mate. And hopefully myself and Tim will be just behind you this year. But no, pretty pumped, boys. Obviously, Big Bash. I think we're two nights away now, which is closer than I thought, which is awesome, and Test Match Cricket as well next week. So it's all it's all coming up summer.
2: It is, yeah. Very, very exciting stuff. We've got Australia A action going on, which is going to impact the Big Bash. We've got uh, another one of the T20s on tonight, which will just about be done by the time this gets out. Um, heaps and heaps of relevant stuff for the Big Bash side. Uh, one thing we're going to start with tonight uh, is talking about the. We had a lot of questions about the auto emergency rules and rolling lockouts and how they work in SuperCoach Big Bash. Uh, so. Uh, the auto emergency rules, I believe, are similar to uh, AFL Supercoach and the way they work uh, as opposed to the NRL Supercoach um, and they have changed a little bit from last year in the big bash. Um, so the Spy knows all about it. So the sp- he'll give you his rundown of how the auto emergency rules work and how the rolling lockout works, particularly in round one, which is obviously the all-important one. So Spy, mate, what have you got for us? <laughs>
0: Yeah, you're spot on, mate. Uh, it's the same as the AFL uh, super Coach. What it basically is, it's not too complicated. You just need to actively select one auto emergency for each position. So you've got your wicketkeeper, batsman and a bowler. What you need to do is actually go on and where you'd normally hit T for trade or C for captain, there's a little E for your bench players. Make sure you hit E on the guy you want to come in as your backup. Otherwise, if Say one of your starting guys doesn't play and you haven't hit that E, then you actually you won't get his score. So absolutely vital. I might actually put a little mini post out later or an article just to show you that visually because I think it's, it's so important. You don't want to start and you could have had 100 points from your bench player and then all of a sudden you get nothing for it. So absolutely critical, easy to do but just important. So make sure you've done that for before, uh, before round one, lads. And rolling so lockouts. So before yep, you,
2: before go. you get on to the rolling <coughs> lockout, um, you, so you, you can pick three of them. You can pick two of them in one position. So you can pick two of them as bowlers. So in that instance, would you be, would you be thinking that maybe two of your five bowlers are in doubt? Um, so if they were to be in doubt and they were to miss out, they'd be you
0: know, two of you for that position? Yeah, you definitely can do that. Um, given it's round one and you've got the opportunity to select guys who are playing, that's probably not as important. But as as the tournament goes on, you, you might have a few niggles or injuries. Yes, you can select two in one position, but just be aware that will leave you short in one of the other positions if one of them was to drop out late or something was to happen there. Um, so it's tactically something you might want to look at there. But generally speaking, especially if you're just starting up in SuperCoach, just select one in each position. And obviously the guys that have been around for a few years might do some tactical stuff around using two guys, but I'd start with that for round one and we can move forward on that, boys.
2: Yeah, nice, mate. And um, give us a rundown of the rolling lockout and how that works because um, as, as we're, we're pretty we're pretty experienced supercoach players between us, or at least we like to think we are. Um, so, you know, we've been dealing with rolling lockouts for a long time. Um, you'd be stunned at the amount of people who don't, get a grasp, a proper grasp of how the rolling
0: lockout works. So run us through that quickly, mate. Yeah, so for round one, it just means you'll you have unlimited trades in round one, This switches this week, obviously. Uh, what the rolling lockout means is that you can trade anyone for the whole duration of round one, providing they, their team hasn't yet played. So um, there's so many different examples you can do, but essentially you want to lock in your Hurricanes players Uh, and I forget who they play on Thursday night, but that first game you need to have selected the guys you want. And if you do have someone playing in your side from either of those squads, that will lock them away for the weekend. But the rest of your side you can still tinker with up until the point at which that team plays on the weekend. Just means you can have a look at batting orders and lineups for teams before you make that final decision. So when it gets to, say, The first Stars game, which is the second game of the weekend, you can have a look at who's in the lineup and say Stoinis didn't play, for example, and is in your side. It still allows you to trade out Stoinis for someone that was playing. Not saying that he's in doubt or anything like that, but that's the kind of stuff that would be important if one of the guns was to miss that opening round clash for whatever reason. Um, the other thing is to bear in mind that teams with a buy won't lock for the weekend. So, if I was to have, say, uh, Adelaide Strikers bike who have the buy in round one on my bench, and I decided that actually there's a bit of value in this bike playing the third game of the week, you'll still be able to trade your Strikers guys in and out for the whole of uh, round one if that makes sense, boys.
2: Yeah, mate. No, it's a good explanation there, and I think that the key to it is, as you said, it's. Um, it's looking at blokes. You might think, all right, this guy doesn't play until late in the weekend so I can move him around, da-da-da. But it's key to look at the bloke in front of him um, who might be a starting player to make sure that they haven't played or when they play as well because they will lock out. So it's not about looking at one player or two. It's about looking at your whole side and who's going to lock out. Um, but if you have any questions, just hit it up on our socials at SC Playbook one Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you're still not sure about it, we can give you a bit of a hand with that or email us, whatever you feel the need to do. Fellas, let's jump into the big decisions that we're, we're toying with, we're struggling with going into round one. We know everyone has these at the moment, uh, particularly with, you know, those international players, Aussie players, that, you don't, that are just sort of chopping and changing their availability at the moment. Um, we're seeing a lot of blokes coming in to replace these international players that have been announced during the week. Um, so, Tomo, I'll start with you, mate. Uh, what, what are sort of the big questions you're looking at at the moment for your side?
1: Uh, one of the things I'm still tossing up, boys, is just the number of stars, hurricanes and strikers that I'm going to have in my initial side, because we've talked about previously how you really want to maximize those double game weeks. So starting up with the stars, I'm tossing up how many do I want to put in my side and how many I can afford to trade out. You know, I've seen some different teams and got sort of some different views, you know, do you want to go sort of a number as low as four or do you want to start pushing as high as six and be able to trade those ones out? Um, Thinking about Hurricanes, I'm thinking maybe somewhere between the three and four Hurricanes and the other one with the Strikers, you know, you want to plan ahead. How many Strikers do I want on my team, you know? Am I going to I have room for one on the bench that's likely to make an impact when they play in rounds two and three? Um, or do I don't want a striker at all on my side and rather focus on um, some cash generation? So I'm still tossing up how many I want of, from each side as well as sprinkling in those other one-round players from all the other teams. What are you boys thinking in terms of stars, hurricanes and strikers?
2: Yeah, mate, I am... Um, the... I'm I'm similar to you. I think round one, I'm I'm looking at about probably five stars players. I'm going pretty heavy on Hurricanes players because I really, really like a lot of them. I think there's value there. I think there's some dead set guns there, um, and I'm happy to target them. The strikers are going to be the appealing ones for that, uh, the the bench roles, because they've got the double-double in round two and round three. But the issue with the strikers is that they've got so many – I mean, we'll get to this a little bit later, but – They've got so many players. They've got, they've got Michael Nisa, Harry Conway, Alex Carey, Matt Renshaw all playing for Australia A or around that setup, and are unlikely to be available until the second game of round two, which will be their third game. So effectively, like this is going to have so much impact on the order. So, you know, it's hard to predict how they're going to line up when and if they come back for that game. Um, Spy, what are you thinking, mate?
0: Yeah, I've, I've got six stars locked in at the moment. Uh, One thing I'm tossing up at the moment is I don't really like Billy Stanlake as a player, to be honest. I think he's expensive. He doesn't always take wickets. He's not in form. However, he's cheap and he's got a double-week one, so that's a big call. Something I'm looking at doing at the moment is actually starting Big Billy on my bench. What that allows me to do, which we spoke about before, I can put the auto-emergency on Big Billy. If he absolutely goes bananas or gets a good score in his two games, I can just pick a guy on the Sunday who's not playing in my bowling honour and I'll get Big Billy's score. Conversely, if Billy doesn't go well, which I suspect he may not, uh, I can pick someone who plays on the Sunday for the Gades or, or Perth or someone like that and, and look into that. But it sort of gives me a little free look at Billy. Um, Strikers wise, they're very talented, as you said, but I don't feel the urge to sort of look too hard into them just yet. I'm going to try and start with one of their reasonable batsmen, like a Weatherall or Assault, potentially. I've got the cash to do it at the moment. Uh, that'll just lock away one. I know I've got them then for round two, and I can have a look at going from there. Hurricanes, I like as well, TMO. They, they got a bit of talent this year. So I've actually got four I'm starting with, which is nice. Um, so hopefully they can go well. But I think we're all sort of tossing up the same issues. It's number of guys, balance, how you side's so going to look for round two. Um, and we'll go from there, boys. But the beauty of the rolling lockout is I can see how people go early in the week and just reshuffle my side a little bit as the weekend goes on if I need to.
2: Yeah, Spy, that could be one of the most intelligent things I've heard you say on our podcast um, about about Big Billy Stanlake and Again, NRL players are used to yeah. For, for context, for AFL SuperCoach players in NRL, you pick uh, your auto emergency player is just the lowest scoring player on your entire bench. Um, so it becomes you know a real real gamble if, if a player happens to fall out. But as you mentioned, you can use the the auto emergency on a player like Stan like you like you use, use the VC loophole, wouldn't you?
0: Yep, exactly. So it's a free look at Big Billy, and I'm actually looking at doing the same for Will Jacks. So he plays on Thursday night, huge fan of him. I was just going to lock him in straight to my lineup, but I've done the same thing. I've put him on my bench, put the auto emergency on him. If he fails, I'll make sure I can bring someone in that plays so I can get more of a score. If he plays well, like I think he hopefully will, then it'll allow me to put Phil Salt in my starting lineup which means he won't play. I'll get Will Jack's score and I'll have Phil Salt ready for round two. So I'd look into that option, boys. It's it's the way to go.
2: Spy, that's a bit of magic from you, mate. Great, great shout. I said it'd be an obvious one to AFL Supercoach players. I assume they've dealt with this sort of thing uh, for, for many years before, but the NRL players, not so much. Tomo, any other major queries or was that the big one for this week?
1: That's the big one. The other one I'm just still tossing up is that we keep a position. I still think... I'm going to go with Josh Philippi to start with. Um, I think him or Inglis are going to score the most in terms of a wicket keeper position. But just when I have a bit of a play around with my side, if you put a keeper that's slightly cheaper in, so we're talking about um, Fletcher from the Stars or McDermott or Hanscom from the Hurricanes, that extra money can be spent pretty well elsewhere and strengthen up a lot of um, parts of your side. So it's just something that I'm just having a tinker around with um, as we speak. Yeah, Tomo, I'm on Hanscom, mate. So I quite
0: like what you just said there, that you can free up a bit of cash elsewhere. You lock Hanscom in or McDermott, it'll be actually whichever one bats higher on Thursday night I'm going to lock in, and then you know you've got them for that double in week two. Um, But as we know, I've been a little bit anti-Philippi, only for the first few weeks, and I'm sticking at it. But uh, it's a big decision there for everyone, really.
2: Yeah, it's... I'll I'll go on to my first point of my big decision because I think wicketkeeper is the one plaguing people at the moment. Uh, We do have a bit of updated Hurricanes news. We believe McDermott's going about at three and Hanscom at four. Not locked in, but it's looking that way. So McDermott at three today, I believe, in a trial game against the Sixers, hit 96 off 49. So McDermott at his price is very tempting. Another thing, uh, I'm under the impression that McDermott is going to take the gloves and keep, so Hanscom won't. So, I'm now, well, I was was tossing up between playing both of them, um, potentially both being at at a pretty affordable price, you know, even dropping one in wicket keeper, one in the batting keeper position. But uh, bear with me here, fellas, because I've come up with what I think is a bit of genius, but, you know, feel free to prove me wrong. So, a lot of people are running backs to Holt as their reserve wicket keeper. Are either of you at this stage, or have we gone off that idea?
0: I've got him in at the moment, but I will do a final check and I think the bit of magic you're about to sprinkle I might might have me thinking otherwise. Let us know what where we at, Tim, eh? Where we at?
2: So so what I've got, I had Baxter Holt for a little
0: bit and the idea for anyone
2: out of context that hasn't been listening to the podcast yet is that Baxter Holt, the 42K wicketkeeper at the Sydney Thunder, who no one thought would play, uh, would be the per- perfect vice-captain loophole move. Um, to use in the first few rounds. The Thunder had a pretty friendly draw where they played late in the round. So here's what I've got. the th- the I think a lot of people are going to be running with either Hanscom or McDermott to partner Baxter Holt. The Hurricanes play in game one, so that pretty well takes out using Holt as an auto-emergency, as a wicket-keeper, unless you wanted to maybe put him in that batting wicket-keeper pos- position. So what my thought was, round one, what we're all pretty well going to have maybe one, maybe even two strikers players, so they can be auto-emergency uh, loophole player in round one. Round two, maybe a little bit more difficult, but then in round three, there's a big chance we're all going to have a Stars player, even if it's a Glenn Maxwell, uh, on our bench as well. So he becomes the loophole player for round three. From rounds four to eight, the Thunder play the first game of the round three times and the second game of the round two times. So Baxter Holt becomes a pretty terrible auto-emergency for them rounds anyway. The three times they play round one, uh, sorry, the first game of the round, you can't use him as an auto-emergency. Spy, are you following me? I'll give you the tip. I might have to go
1: back and listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) Did um, did you
2: get that, Tomo, or not? uh,
1: Yeah, um, I'm listening to you. Keep going. I'm intrigued. Keep going.
2: Yeah, so basically my point is I just don't think you need Bucks to hold in your team because, as I said, I think you can cover the loophole options with better players in rounds 1 to 3 or at least rounds 1 and 3. And then rounds 4 to 8, Baxter hold is a terrible auto-emergency option. So I think you can get a better keeper like a McDermott or a Hanscom in there. You can make money. They're, they're an actual auto-emergency option. Um, yeah, so I'm putting a
0: line through Baxter Holt. Hopefully you followed me on that one, Spy. If can not. I, just, can yeah. I just run one by you, Timo? I did. I followed the vibe that you didn't run help, but just <laughs> I know you, you're obviously an NRL boy. I played AFL as well. So you can actually, at the moment, I've got McDermott on my bench for wicketkeeper and backs to Holt starting. So that means if my vice captain goes off, I'll just automatically make backs to my captain to get the loophole and then McDermott will score anyway. So round one, Baxter's really good for that. But I understand what you're saying the other week's not necessarily. So something I've have, have to look into tonight, mate, yeah. Mate, there's a lot to
2: it, getting around these new auto emergency rules and looper rules, fair dinkum.
1: Yeah, and it's yeah, man, absolutely, colours. Yeah, and if you want a cheap keeper, because you're absolutely right when you said Baxter Holt schedule at the start is really good, but then there is a period in the middle where Thunder play early games. So for the exact same price... The Heat signed a young, I'm not sure if it was young, but a keeper, Pfeiffer, for the exact same price, and the Heat have a bit more of a friendly schedule. So if you want to go that cheap loophole keeper, I've switched to Pfeiffer because the Brisbane Heat schedule is a bit more friendly compared to the Thunder, looking at it overall. Yep, the, nice, uh, yeah, nice, nice.
0: Is there any chance Pfeiffer plays? I know he got some runs on the weekend. Um, also, just make sure that's the case uh, before things get rolling, but I'm sure we'll understand that the lineups come round one anyway.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, Spy, what are any decisions that you're battling with at the moment?
0: Uh, not really. I'm pretty happy with things, actually. I'm sort of I'm backing myself to start strong this year. Um, the, the big ones, yeah, was probably McDermott versus Hanskin, but as soon as you just said that he's batting at three, McDermott's straight into my keeper role. He's my first pick to lock him in. I'm a big fan of him. If he's batting at three and keeping... Absolutely love it. So that's made my decision for me, uh, pending team news on Thursday night.
2: Yeah. All right. The one that I've got with that I was playing around with today um, is based off the news that Mujib up at the Brisbane Heat, Tomo Territory, uh, he has COVID, uh, which is no good for the, the poor bugger. He's in hotel quarantine uh, and he's likely to miss at least the first game of the Heat, possibly the second game of the Heat, which is, Impacts two cheapies in Tommy Cooper and Jack Wildermuth. I know a guy that is pretty keen on. Well, Tomo's keen on both of them, actually. I think he might have them both. Um, I'm contemplating starting both – oh, putting them on my bench, sorry. Um, Guys, if you had a choice between Cooper and Wildermuth, who do you go with, Tomo? Because now that Mujib is out or likely out for the first two rounds – that gives these blokes plenty of chance. Um, it might even give a chance for Tommy Cooper to roll the arm over a bit more. We know Wildermuth probably bowls his four overs, but maybe it locks in his four overs. Um, do you think it impacts it
1: much? It uh, could have a possible impact. I think Wildermuth is still a pretty clear number one. Um, Tommy Cooper's a bit of that unknown in terms of how many overs he'll bowl and what, exactly what position he'll bat. If I had to rate those two, you've got Wildermuth a clear number one. Tommy Cooper, if you want to take a bit of a risk, is there. And as you said, you know, there's some more overs going around, um, especially in the first couple of rounds probably for the Brisbane Heat.
2: Yeah, that's it. It's, if, if Cooper does, I've got Cooper batting in about five or six at the moment for the Heat. They're, they're pretty decimated by international and Australia. At a duties as well. Now more jibs out. So Cooper batting about five. <clears throat> if you could roll the arm over a little bit in those first two weeks with him out, it um, could be a really big play for him. But, again, I'm tempted to have both of them at this stage. <clears throat> guys if you are keen on any of our subscription content we have a big bash package available for twenty dollars or the full nrl package which was added last week which well full package sorry that will get you this year's big bash content and then next year's nrl content as well for forty dollars um gives you stacks of extra stuff access to our subscriber special q and a podcast which we'll be doing each round you'll be supporting the site um, as i said i mentioned last week there's a lot of time that goes into it from these boys and, and all the contributors so um, It'll be helping us, but at the end of the day, if you don't want to do that, no drums at all, which leads me to our unlimited group prize as well. Jump into our unlimited group, the code is 968821. Top prize for the highest-ranked subscriber to knock off all our contributors wins two tickets and a signed jersey of choice to a game of choice in their home state. Uh, and then we also have a prize for the highest-ranked non-subscriber to beat all our contributors, which is also two tickets to a game of choice in your home state. That's obviously for the next Big Bash season. So jump into that and take us on. Guys, let's get stuck into our Adelaide Strikers preview. Very relevant, obviously, not from round one, but they do have the they have the buy-in round one, then they have the double in round two and three. Uh, Danny Briggs, Matty Renshaw, Dan Worrell, a couple of the bigger recruits in that side. I mentioned that Australia A um, impacts them big time with Nisa, Conway, Carey and Rentschall. They're all likely to miss probably the first two games for, for the Strikers. Um, Spy, I'll start with you. Mate, who are you eyeing off from that striker side? I know you mentioned Salt and Weatherald early, um, and is there anyone there you're
0: not keen on? Yeah, mate, quite a big fan of the Strikers. I always like watching them play. Obviously, Rashid Khan's almost a must if you want to go against him. That's it bloody bold, so we won't speak too much about him unless you want to chat about him. But um, look, Siddle's handy. Siddle's just that kind of bloke. He'll just bowl forever. He'll be 65 and he'll still be playing big bash, just knocking out good economy rates, taking the odd wickets. So the fact they've got two double gamers uh, in rounds two and three makes him quite an enticing option for mine. Uh, you, know, you know he'll get through his overs and, and may get a bat late in the innings. The other one, boys, O. Wells, I sort of, I had a look at him before and I didn't quite realise how good his record is. So he averages 34 in T20 cricket at a strike rate of 125. If he's batting anywhere in that sort of top four region, if that's where he ends up, he'd have to be worth a look because we know he can play, he just doesn't (laughs) always get the opportunity. So for me, I'm sort of having a look at, the beauty of the strikers is I can try and pick one in week round one if I can get one in, but otherwise I can. You've got two weeks to bring in three to five or six strikers, depending what you want to do. So I'll have a good look at them, see where their first lineup comes out. They're the first game of round two, so we'll know exactly who's playing for them by then, and you can make your trades for the for the strikers based on that game lineup heading into round two. Um, but I quite like their lineup. The one no for me before I let you use Talk about who you wanna who you want in your sides potentially is um short. I really don't rate him. I've seen him have a few good forties and fifties and by well, a few that might have been one. His his average is sixteen and his strike rate's hundred and fifteen. So I think he's a waste of cash and a waste of a spot in your side. Sure he has the potential to go off in the double week, so maybe if you need a cheapy lock him in, but I'm happy to steer clear unless I really need sort of that real cheap option in my side come round to.
2: Yeah, mate, um, good shouts. Jono Wells, you, you touched on his T20 form, 478 runs last year at an average of 68.28, which is just off this planet, yeah, wow. uh, and a strike rate of 135.41. My issue with Wells is that when Kerry's back, with Kerry and Renshaw are back, I think, as we said, we touched on probably from uh, in round two in their second game, when they're back, I think Carey probably bats at three, Renshaw four, and Wells at five, um, which may be a bit too far down the order. But, you know, the the thing is he, he'll bat high up in that first game of the double round. Um, and if he gets runs or, you know, maybe they see him as batting higher than Renshaw, Renshaw might be the anchor for that innings. But, you know, if they start well, maybe Wells bats at four. So we'll play it by ear. And mate, Maddie Short's an interesting one because he's a guy I've currently got in my team but very hesitantly. Um, He's a guy that I know, Tomo, you were keen on as well. Um, Mate, is he still in your side, Tomo?
1: No. uh, Early on I was purely because of price and the potential to play a bit of a role. But, you know, the last couple of seasons there's been the potential to play a role and he hasn't quite yet. So he was in my original side. At the moment I've got Wetherill sitting on my bench as my striker and that's not something I love, but he has the potential to score lots of runs, so I'm with you boys on Matthew Short. Um, John Wells, I agree with you boys as well. You know, he seems to bat too low and too much in that middle order for a play you want to pick. But, gee, he just seems to get the job done. You know, averaged almost 50 in terms of his super coach points last season, two scores over 100. And even though he seems to bat too low, um, with the schedule, he's got to be under some sort of consideration Rashid Khan, you know, he does it everywhere when he goes around T20 around the world. Um, you've got to pick him, but if you are brave enough and looking for that minor knock, um, his two games against the Hurricanes, which he plays both in his round two double. He went for a lot of runs and didn't take a wicket, so you have to be pretty brave, but that is a major play if you wanted to go um, against the crowd. Siddle, I'm with you as well. Um He's a very, very handy um, big bash player considering what he was like at the start of his career. You know, four scores over 100 last year. He's got a bit more variety and some more delivery choices. So he's someone I'm certainly looking to bring into my side um, for their games. And the other one we haven't chatted about, or I'd like to get your guys' opinion on, is the young, or not young, but the, spring, the spinner Briggs who's coming over yep. for the tournament. And I saw a sort of a quote from um, Dizzy Gillespie that, sort of alluded to that he may not be playing every sort of game um, which would mean he's not as interesting an option but you know if he's international you think they bring him out here for a bit of a reason. Do you guys have any thought on Briggs?
2: Yeah, he's, he's an interesting one Briggs. He, so get this, he's the highest ever wicket-taker in English T20 cricket. He's taken 186 wickets. Um, So, I mean, that's about as good of credentials as you can get, at least coming from the county scene over in England. Um, In the vitality blast, um, the most recent vitality blast, the T20 over in England, he had 12 wickets in 11 games, which is okay. Economy rate of 655 um, so spy, mate, they're pretty good numbers. So Briggs is a guy that I will be watching closely uh, probably in the, maybe the first double week, and then if he looks good, then bring him in for the, the second double week, which is round three. What do you reckon?
0: Yeah, he's kind of like with that sort of record that you'd have to be interested in, but those comments from Big Dizzy – Scare you off a little bit, don't they? I mean, if, if there's no other major options floating around for those double game weeks, then he certainly would be a contender. But if they're going to rest him or he plays two of the four, then you'd, be, you'd have the shits a bit paying 140-odd grand for him. But certainly the record speaks for itself, so you have to really monitor that closely. Boys, just quickly as well, Phil Soule, his career strike rate in T20 is about 160. <laughs> he does not mind having a crack. And he opens, so tell you what, if you want to strap in and have some fun, feels your man. He's got a pretty good average as well, so he'll be. I'm definitely picking him in my side, that's for sure. Especially for those double game weeks, and see what the big fella can do. Yeah,
2: you, you beat me to the punch there, mate. I am all about salt. You're going through his numbers, and mate, it's about as impressive reading as you can get. I mean, last season in the Big Bash, 360 runs at 25.78, solid enough, but yeah, you touched on it, that strike rate of 164 in eight games for Sussex in the Vitality Blast, 211 runs at 26 with a strike rate of 167, so that is as consistent as it gets. He'll play four games in two rounds, in rounds two and three. So, mate, yeah, I, I initially had Weatherall in my side because I've always liked Jakey Weatherall, but... For only twelve k more, I'm thinking Phil's sold in my side because seriously, if he can emulate any sort of those numbers, he's just going to be an absolute beast. Get them both, mate.
0: (laughs) In round two, I'll have them both in my side. Love them.
2: Uh, Guys, if you want to interact with other Supercoach fans and get amongst all that, we do have a forum on our website, which I meant to allude to a couple of weeks ago, but haven't quite got to that yet among all the other Big Bash chat. Um, Head to scplaybook.com.au. There's a forum spot in our menu. Drop your comments there. Give some feedback. Help people out. Get some advice. um, All that good sort of stuff to get you through the week. Uh, Fellas, let's move on to the Melbourne Renegades. I did the the Renegades preview yesterday and – I'll admit, I was going into it um, pretty blasé and thinking, oh, you know, they don't pique my interest too much. By the time I was done with it, I thought, fire, this side is littered with pods who, because they don't have a double to around six, um, I just thought they have been really, really overlooked. Um, so their key recruits include, they've got a stack. They've got Noor Ahmed, Josh Laylaw, Pattinson, Riley Russo, Tahir, Wazim, Benny Howell, um, stacks of players, a lot of internationals there who are chopping and changing um, guys impacted by the Australia A and test duties are Jimmy Pattinson, Will Sutherland, which is a bit of a bugger because he'd be one to start with with his dual bowling batting, uh, and then Marcus Harris as well. Um, Spy, I'll start with you.
0: Anyone at the Renegades who takes your eye? Yeah, I'm, I'm similar to you, mate. I sort of got into the side and had a look at them, and I'm sitting there going, Jesus Christ, that's stacked with talent. Yeah. Um, I'll start with someone who I don't want, and this hurts me to say because he's actually my favourite cricketer probably in Australia, and it's James Pattinson. Um, Jimmy's great, and he's one of my favourite Test match bowlers, but I'm just worried in T20 his economy rate's 8.5. He can take wickets, but... If it's going to be a flat decks in Australia, it just it concerns me. Um, maybe – I don't mind if you are grabbing for the double come like around six, but I certainly wouldn't be starting with him. He's a big name, so people might be tempted to do that. But surely you can find better value at the same price with teams that have double games. Um, what do you think on Pato boys?
1: What do you reckon, Tomo? Uh, I agree with you. He can um, bowl quick, take wickets – but not one for me that I'm looking to include, especially with the, um, his Australia commitments for a large part of the season. Yeah, that's it. So
0: he'll be around the test side and he might be one of those guys. As I said, come round six, if he's back, if he's playing in the big bash, then maybe you put him in. But I just sort of immediately put a line through Paddo. Same with Imran Tahir. He's got a great record, but he's about 41 years old. Uh, I'm going to say no to him because he hasn't been in great form of late. Don't mind if you pick him in your saw, but not for round one. Certainly stay away from him for mine. But the big one, boys, the exciting one is Benny Howell. Uh, all-rounder. He's, he's Pommy, I think. He must be Pommy. Yeah, Gloucestershire, And he's a, a really good bowler and pretty handy with the bat as well. And he's not probably that expensive. So if you're thinking pods, maybe you have a crack at him. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean what he's a hundred and thirty-eight K. So I mean if <coughs> I had this dual bat bowl, he's um I mean he's enticing enough. Hundred and twenty-one career T twenty games, hundred and thirty-two wickets, economy rate of six point nine five. So I mean he's ticking a lot of boxes. The big one, more probably noted as a bit more of a bowling all rounder, career average of twenty-two point nine two with the bat as well. So I mean, he's been playing with um Gloucestershire in the or over in England. He was batting anywhere from sort of six to eight in the order over there. So, maybe he, he looks all right, and he's a bit of a wild card early on. What do you reckon, Tomo?
1: Uh, any all-rounder always piques your interest because they have the ability to impact from overs one through to 40. Um, just him being signed so late on in the piece, I just wonder, you know, I'd rather someone that knew they were coming out here a long time in advance. That's my only little knock. Yep, fair. Yep.
2: Hey, the one that I spy, the one I really, really like, and I mean, it sounds ridiculous to say this, but Aaron Finch, the Australian captain who's been absolutely blitzing India in the T20s and one day, is 12.8% ownership, averaged 64.5 last year. Um, what was he? Nine games last year, 363 runs, an average of 45, strike grade of 139. Three years back, he averaged 86.9 in Supercoach. But, yeah, 12.8% of teams. Uh, I think he's my, my big pod for round one. What do you reckon, Tomo?
1: Look, I'll always have a soft spot for Finchie. When I made him VC on my charge last year, he made 109 against the Sixers and then got 63 not out against the Heat. You know, his form against India and in the short form recently has been pretty good. He is a batsman, but he can bowl a few overs of spin, but he's not going to bowl, you know, a heap him out. Um, I like him. I don't I don't know if I could start with him, um, but he's someone you've got to bring into your side at some stage.
2: Yeah. I mean, he, he's an obvious one for the double game week in round six, but uh, he's the one I, I'm willing to take a risk on on the back of his <sighs> form for Australia, his recent Big Bash form. I, I'm just looking at him going – I'm very accepting of the fact that he could go out there and get a dark and be a waste of 180K, but I'm just going, you know what, stuff it. I'm going to start with a blast. Finchie's going to come out and ton up, and I'm just going to be an absolute hero in super cage. Spy, yes or no?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't mind it. I certainly don't mind it. Um, my only query would be as long as you can balance out the rest of your side well enough um, with guys obviously from the double game weeks and all that. I mean, I love a pod around maybe like 120, 130, but if you can fit that extra 50K and still have a reason will line up, then go for gold. Because as you said, he's playing he's real good cricket. He could easily score 100. And then, as you said, you'd be the hero of the Supercoach community. <laughs>
2: yeah. Hey, Tomo, Sean Marsh at 30K cheaper, a bit of a super coach, and obviously Australian cricket stalwart over the years, veteran now. Uh, three of his last six innings in the Sheffield Shield. He has tons uh, and an 88 to go with that as well. 9.2% ownership, he's another guy that I see, um, I think he'll probably open the bat with Aaron Finch, he may bat at three, but I think he'll open, Mate, any interest in Sean Marsh?
1: Yeah, look, it's not the silliest idea, um, starting off that he's not really involved in the Aussie set-ups these days, but there's been a few injuries lately, he, he might get another call-up to the test side, I reckon, he's capable of big minox. Um there's always the chance, though, because he's about the only bloke I know that's more inflexible than me. He might do a hammy or miss some games. That's the only knock. But he, you know, he's quality.
2: Yeah, and then, I mean that's it. It's a good one to point out. Um, obviously, Davy Warner's in. Uh, is he out of the first test or in a lot of doubt for it? So there's that. And then Will Pukowski today actually got hit in a pretty nasty head knock against India uh, and had to retire hurt. So watch that space as well. But um, there are a few blokes dropping in the opening bats. Situate in the opening bat spot and Marsh is in serious
0: form in long form cricket. Um, Spy any interest for you? Yeah, look, well, there is. I won't be starting with him, but certainly Wonder Monitor is a, is a class act. He's in form. He's been there and done it before. So anyone that wanted to do it, I certainly wouldn't begrudge you.
2: Yeah. Hey, another massive, massive one for me, running the numbers through Kane Richardson, another bit of a stalwart who's sort of always been there about in, in supercoach in the Australian international scene. Get his numbers. So in the last three supercoach seasons, he's averaged 56 Seventy four and a half and 67. <clears throat> the 67 three years back came in just two games, so probably don't read into that one too much. In the 2018-19 season where he averaged that 74 and a half, he played 14 games. He had six centuries in that time along with a 95, and he had a top score of 174. Last season only eight games. In that time he had 134 and 145. Spy, Kane Richardson, I know probably more one to target for the double round, but... That is a huge ceiling on Richardson.
0: Yeah, mate, he's a gun. I had him on my side for parts of last year and loved it. Um, the only reason I wouldn't start with him is, as we said, purely I'll I've I've sort of stack things, stack side with double gamers and at his price just a little bit tricky to get, fit in. But, mate, he's, he's class. So if he's in your side, you certainly might reap the benefits there.
2: Yeah, I don't think I'll be able to 50-minute 160, uh, particularly if I am going with Finch as well. But seriously, with that upside, he's tempting. Uh, Tomo, Noor Ahmed, the 15-year-old leggy from Afghanistan, I cannot wait to see him get out here. You've spoken to him a little bit in past podcasts. Uh, mate, is he a guy you've still got in your team or has he been chopped?
1: Uh, well, he was part of the um, crew that I believe had to restart their Quarantine because of um, a COVID situation, so I'm not 100% sure, but I think he's going to miss a couple of games early. That with the fact that he's supposed to be leaving midway through the tournament, uh, he's not in my side anymore at the moment.
2: Yeah, okay, that's a good shout, mate. Yeah, he might have been with um, Muhammad Nabi, who unfortunately, again, another Supercoach Big Bash star uh, and cricket star in general, Naby is expected to miss the first two games, will be back until round three because he's got to complete his hotel quarantine. Um, Spy,
0: anyone else to chat about there or, or are you good on the renegade front? Oh, there's lots to chat about. Really quickly, Riley Rousseau is a real quality batsman. I've watched him plenty when I was watching AB De Villiers play South Africa, but... For numbers-wise, the average is 30 with the bat at 135, so that's that's quality. So certainly keep an eye on him early in the tournament. And the other one I can't wait to watch, I haven't sort of looked hugely into the gates yet, but is Sammy Harper going to get a crack again, possibly at the top of the order, because he does not mind having a crack that little fella. Uh, strikes at 140 and um, he's, he's always fun to watch. Not that I'll be starting with him, but just one to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah. Tomo, anything to add there? Uh, yeah, Harper, he is an aggressive batsman. If he just played with a bit more tempo and was out there for longer and scored more runs, he'd be one to consider, but i need to see him play with a bit of tempo first before I'd consider him. Um, Will Sutherland's the other one. He um, finished last season with a massive score. Um, the only problem is he selected the Australia A squad and I don't want to carry him in my side until he actually is playing with the Renegades. But as soon as he's available, looks like bowling some porn and overs for them, he's one that I'll be looking to bring in straight away. I only wish it was um, starting with him.
2: Yeah, awesome. looking at this Renegades side, I wish I had that er- an early double round because I really want to go hard on them. But uh, it is hard without a double game can until round six. Hey, let's jump in and take a few questions. There were plenty that came in this week, which was good. <laughs> Um, we'll start with one from Jake Scott who says, love your work, lads. Um, If you ever want me to choose one of your questions for the podcast, this is me speaking, just say love your work, lads. I'm a sucker for it and you're straight in. So (laughs) there's the secret. Struggling to choose between Hanscom and Colin Ingram and would appreciate some of your opinions. At this stage, I'm leaning towards Hanscom. Um, Tom, I'll start with you, mate. There's a 28K difference between them. Ingram's just that little bit more expensive. Who would you be going out of Hanscom and Ingram?
1: A uh, simple answer, whoever's going to bat higher up in the order.
0: That is a simple answer, mate. Spy, what about you? I'm the exact same, but obviously just be aware that Ingram could cost you a bit more, which could throw your balance out a little bit. But, yeah, if um, if Hanson's only batting at four, then, yeah, there's your answer.
2: Yeah, and I think just probably with the, the double game week for Hans in week two is probably the clincher, the clincher for me. Um, Lukey Richardson asks, thoughts on Colin Munro and Cameron Boyce, lads? trying some pods to move away from some of the highly owned guys. I love seeing that someone with a a few knackers to, to go their own way. Um, Tomo, Colin Munro or Cameron Boyce?
1: Uh, I'll chat about Boyce if you want. Um, Look, not last season, but two ago, two seasons ago, he actually scored quite a few runs for the Renegades and they even experimented with him batting up the order, which was pretty random. And he averaged two ago, almost 60. Um, Last season uh, was batting a bit down the order. Um, he needs to be in good bowling form and taking wickets because I can't see him being put up the order with sort of Finch and Marsh and a few of the other batsmen they've got. Um, he'd be someone I'm looking on at a double. I don't think I could start him on a single. I'd need to see him taking wickets.
2: Okay, mate. So would you be willing to, if you're tossing up between him and Munro, would you be going Boyce or what are your thoughts?
1: Um, well, I suppose
2: Kiwi the Kerry Munro's got the he's got the upside, doesn't he? Um, but it's a, a hard one, isn't it? As he said, they're,
1: they're big pods. They are big pods. They're people I'm not game enough to put in my side at the moment. But you know they're a bit off the radar. So if you took a risk and they were able to voice take wickets or the other fella taking scoring runs, you never know. Yeah, Spire, what have you got, mate? But he's probably a little bit expensive
0: me early, but uh, I think Munro for sure out of those two. He, um, he's a huge hitter. He's, he strikes 156 for the Kiwis in T20 internationals, and he averages over 30, so that's talent. Boys. That's, um, he can play. He's a little bit older now, but I'm saying that 33 is not that old. So if I'm having a crack at anyone, it's, it's Munro. But, um, again, he's reasonably expensive. But if you want to have a crack at him, see if he goes off for you. That would be awesome.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I don't mind Munro, 160K. So, I mean, he's in, in that similar mold to, I suppose, Finchy and maybe like a Sean Marsh. Um, he was about at the top of the order for the Scorchers. He's in form. He comes in, having played the Caribbean Premier League most recently, averaged 34.5 there, strike rate of 133. Um, bit of a beast. So I don't mind Colin Munro at all there. Um, a question from Matty Broom, who finished second in Supercoats last year. Matty gave us a team reveal during the week. It looks absolutely red hot. So get on and check that out at the website. So a bit of a wordy one, but he says Given Stoyness might not bowl and the Stars may pick an extra bowler, and given Maxwell's likely involvement with the ball, is it too risky picking a third Stars bowling option like Hussain, Stanlake, or Hinchcliffe as they may not bowl for four overs and just go with say, Zampra uh, or Kul- Kul- Nile, who you know will bowl their four. So basically what he's saying is basically, yeah, he's three three stars bowlers too many at the risk of of not getting their four overs in. What do you reckon, Tomo?
1: Yeah, I suppose um, I think I'm following. So if they don't bowl their four, let's say hypothetically you pick someone, a stars bowler, and they bowl three in one game and three in the other, You've got, to have got six overs there to take a wicket or have some involvement. Whereas if you're picking a fella that's only on a single, they've got four games. So I suppose if they only bowl three and three, you're still getting six overs to have a crack and get something, rather than four. So I think it's still okay to pick a star's bowler if they're not guaranteed four and four. You'd want them if there's three and three, I think you can still live with that
2: yeah it's a really good shout mate um stacked with bowling options there, and as you said, I mean the other thing to consider i mean I think a lot of people are going to be captaining Maxi anyway uh, in the fact that he probably bowls you know anywhere between two and four overs but um with stoyness out as as Maddie said, do they pick an extra bowler um might that impact Maxi who knows who knows how to work out um and, and who actually may get a few extra overs to make up for stoyness because there's a couple of all round options there that that can do that um Alexander McFarlane asks, thoughts on starting with a mid to expensive player, 100 to 180K strikers player on your bench? He says, is it too much locked away not playing or a move that will have you ahead of the crowd come round two? He says he's thinking of starting with wrench or Salt. Um, sorry, starting with wrench or uh, he's a bit over 100K or 130. Um, my thoughts on that one are that I've seen a few people starting with um, Rashid Khan, that massive price tag, just thinking that, um, you know, it's going to be an inevitable trade in round two anyway, so get it over and done with and save the trade. I, I think you can definitely start with a player over 100K, but I wouldn't be looking to go anywhere over sort of 150. Um, Spire, what do you reckon?
0: Yeah, well, I was speaking about this earlier, boys, but I've literally got Phil Salt sitting in my starting line as we speak. Uh, and with Will Jax as my well, auto-emergency there. So I'm hoping Will Jax gets the job done on Thursday night, which will mean I can just happily sit Phil Salt there and Jax will come in as the auto-emergency and get his score anyway, plus I get Phil Salt for round two. The question mark then is if Will Jax doesn't get any runs, I don't want to just cop his, his dud score. So that's when I'd move Phil Salt on for someone who's actually playing. So it all depend on that, uh, that performance on Thursday night. But I think there's a real logic around doing that. Um, and as I said, just be flexible over the weekend to see how yeah, your team's looking and if you need to to change that tactic.
2: Mm, yep. Yeah. Um, spy, on Will Jacks, who was a guy I've been hyping all preseason, is pretty close to a must-have for that Round 2 double. I'm a little bit concerned now. They had uh, – and there was a question actually on Johan Boita, the former South African short-form skipper who has signed with the Hurricanes. So I'll start by saying with Boita – you know, he was sort of rolling around in the nets, hadn't sort of bowled too much, hadn't been playing, he'd retired, um, got a call up to come back and play for the Hurricanes. He wanted to get a few grade cricket games in, but uh, in Adelaide, where he's living now, couldn't get them in because COVID spiked up and he missed out on those games. Firstly, do you think Boiter slides into that lineup? And then, secondly, I'm looking at the Hurricanes lineup and they've got. Will Parker, there the young spinner who is not guaranteed a spot, but obviously a decent chance. Riley Meredith, Nathan Ellis, Scott Boland, James Faulkner. Um, you then throw in Will Jacks. Do we do we think Jacks bowls? I'm sort of a bit worried now that he's more of a specialist batsman who might might roll the arm over if needed. What do you reckon, Spy?
0: Oh, you certainly scared me now. Um, yeah, I'm going to say myself, don't worry. Something I'll probably do, though, uh, as I do with most of my super coach sides, I'll probably spend either tonight or tomorrow night just as close as you can to kick-off or first ball in this case and just have a quick check of each of my players and, in that case, checking out Will Jackson, just making sure he's locked into a decent role. Um, but it'll be something I'll have to consider and have a look at his numbers with the bat otherwise and see if that holds up and do I then just take the punt to see if he bowls. One thing we'll know though, which is excellent, is because they play the first game on Thursday night, we can have a look at that that eleven and basically get an idea of do you think he's going to take a roll with the ball, depending who else is in the lineup. So hopefully there's not too many bowls in there and otherwise potentially you make a late trade or we'll weigh that up. But yeah, it's a fair point, mate. Yeah.
2: No, that's it though. You, you're right. With the Hobart, with the Hurricanes playing that, I think, you know, if we see they've named five or six bowlers, you know, with a few all-rounders in there, you straight away go, all right, maybe we'll jacks at the big price is a bit of concern, um, but we will get to have a look at that. So be on the ball for that game. And when the the teams get announced, um, I actually might be at that game. So we'll uh, see if we can yell out over the fence and get word even before the teams come out. I'm sure that'll go down real well. Um Lads, that is all for tonight. We've gone through for plenty of time. That is the last podcast before the season starts on Thursday night. Very exciting times. Good, strong pre season. Uh, Tomo, you've
1: been big, mate. Thank you. No, thank you, lads. It's getting close now, and um, I can't wait.
0: Spy, mate. Big again as well. Handle the hype. You all right? Cheers, boys. Mate, live for the hype. Don't you worry about me. So uh, sees on the other side of round one or midway through or whenever it is, but I'm fired up. So good luck, boys.
1: Ah, cheers, guys. Thanks for tuning in. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.